This is Pop Culture Makes Me Jealous, where we analyze pop culture through the lens of race or gender, and sometimes both. And also, sometimes we just talk about pop culture properties we love. Um, and today's show is going to be kind of like that. I'm your host, Julia Washington. And if you're new around here, I'm a writer, artist, and podcast host based in California. When I'm not hosting this show, I'm facilitating the Jelly Pops Book Club, pouring candles, or painting greeting cards. In this episode, I'm joined by Mario Mello, aka Movies with Mr. Mario on Instagram, to discuss the 1989 classic, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, released on June 23rd, 1989, and it stars Rick Moranis, Marcia Strassman, Thomas Brown, and Amy O'Neill, just to name a few. Mario Mello. Welcome back to the show. Welcome. Thank you. I'm so excited. <laughs> Nobody can see you, you smile. You can't, we can't radiate smiling right. through the airwaves. <laughs> I have a big smile because I always love talking to you and we have really good discussions. So it's always a pleasure to be here. I'm so glad. And I love it when you're on. You're literally like one of the only guys that we have on the show. And it's not like a sexism thing. It's just that, you know, you're more thoughtful about um, what you review. And sometimes that's not always the case with some people. And I don't really want to talk to people who are going to tell me I'm wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so we are gathered here today to discuss the 1989 classic, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. This movie stars Rick Moranis, Marsha Strassman, R.I.P., and so many others. So you know I like to go to the Google because everybody Googles and we like to see what Google has to say before we make decisions. Here's what Google said. When kids sneak into inventor Wayne Selinsky's upstairs lab to retrieve an errant baseball his experimental shrink ray miniaturizes them when Selinsky returns home he destroys the device which he thinks is a failure and dumps it in the trash throwing it out along with the kids the four children now a quarter inch tall must survive the journey back to the house through a yard where sprinklers bring treacherous storms and garden variety ant stampedes like elephants I think this is the most accurate Google summary I've ever read about a movie. <laughs> yeah. It in terms makes it sound so epic. It does make it sound they, epic. they had a journey back to the house. It was a treacherous <laughs> journey. Yes. It was a difficult journey. Um, so the movie opens with the daughter on the phone with a friend. She's taught, you know, it's the, it's 1989. So she's talking on a wall phone. She's corded up. She's talking about her parents' marital troubles. Her brother's working on an experiment and dad's upstairs working on his shrinking machine. And then next door, we see the family that has two sons and they're getting ready to go camping. And that family dynamic is so different from the Selinskys that we have several instances where each each what a member of the family looks at the other the neighboring family and thinks oh my god they're so weird yeah. the teenage daughter and the eldest teenage son of the other family are similarly aged and we learn that they go to high school together and so that phone call that phone call that the daughter is on is really does kind of set the tone for like we've got family drama but it's very still kind of innocent, I feel like, because like mm -hmm. dad's trying real hard to be a successful inventor. Mom's a realtor and everything just didn't turn out the way that you think it would. 
when you're 40 something with kids, which is literally (laughs) what I'm experiencing in life right now. (laughs) Rude. So Mario, I need to know how old were you when you first saw this movie? So the movie came out when I was three years old. So I, I would assume I was, let's see, probably seven or eight by the time I actually saw it, because I remember the second one had just coming out. And I think that was in 1991. Was that Honey, I Blew Up the Kids? Oh, no, that's Honey, I Shrunk, yeah, we shrunk honey, Ourselves. I, no, that's the third one. Okay. It's, it's This is the one where they blow up the toddler and the toddler is giant. Yeah. Yeah. So I think so I must have been like six or seven because I remember watching them both. Like back so, to back or something. Yeah, back to back or something like that. But yeah, I was yeah, around that age. And I remember as a kid I thought it was the most um entertaining and most awesomest thing ever. And I was like, Oh man, these movie effects, how do they do that? Right. <laughs> I was like, this blows my mind. It's so real. It's it can so really happen. Good. Like, like this movie's the, like, oh my god! Like the ants, like freak me, freaked <laughs> me out so bad when I was a kid. Like I really? did not. Yeah, I didn't like how they were like kind of furry and like it just. And then like the I don't know. I have auditory issues, so that also could be part of it because I felt like I could hear the way the ants felt. Mm in terms of the way that like when they touch them mm. i don't know maybe i'm just that was like the ant because it was a it was a cool little pet ant and i was like i want an ant i was more scared of the scorpion because i was like oh that's creepy and he had all his little the little scorpion things. was really creepy i was not a fan um of the scorpion at all we watched this movie for family film night i literally have no idea how old i was when we first saw it because family film night was a pretty regular thing in our house mm-hmm. did we do it monthly i don't remember it's like mo- a lot of memories that i have but um and i just because you know my parent my dad lo- did my dad like rick moranis i don't even know anymore but like we watched <laughs> a lot of movies that had rick moranis in them i yeah. feel like he was he was like an 80s star and it was he funny because really I was, was. Looking, I was looking at the date. He had three movies that year. He had Ghostbusters two, this movie, and then Parenthood. So I was oh, like, oh, Parenthood! I was not allowed to watch mm-hmm. Parenthood. I wasn't either, but <laughs> I was looking at his filmography and I was like, dang, he had three movies that year. That's a lot. A lot. Yeah, I mean, and I mean, I guess nowadays it doesn't feel like a lot for some people because movies are just being churned out left and right. Um, yeah. but with considering 1989 you know that's a lot for one year i think in my humble opinion and you told you already you told you already said that you loved it right is that what you said as a kid yeah i like it i it's i notice more and more every time i watch it it's one of those you know like or things i didn't understand i guess as a kid and then yeah like even this last time i watched it a few weeks ago i was like oh like i guess the marital problems i like didn't really like understand fully like oh wait she's not leaving at the house she's with her mom like she's staying with her mom she's not there she's like she left the house for a while like yeah. I didn't really get that I was like oh so like little things that that and I, even though like I knew like in the back of my mind like oh they're they're having trouble in their marriage but I always just thought she went left she left early for work or something yeah. and then when I really actually understand what the kids are saying and stuff I was like oh yeah she's not living with them anymore you know what? Or that's she's a, taking a break. Yeah, that's 
I also didn't realize that they weren't together anymore until watching it this viewing. Isn't that interesting what you pick up on when you're a kid compared to when you're an adult? Like this yeah. time to me, it was very clear that the daughter was saying like, yeah, my dad and mom, you know, whatever it was that she was saying. Like this time it was very clear to me. But in viewings past, it's like, you know, she all I heard was she was upset that she, you know, she was trying to finish all this shit so she could go to the mall. Like she had to get to the mall. She needed to get to the mall. The mall is the most important thing in the world to her. Yeah. And and that still kind of came across, you know, in the movie, because that's literally her story. <laughs> Poor thing. But I never really, and even in the wrap up when they're like, you guys are okay now? And they're like, yeah, we're good. <laughs> <laughs> that two days was just brought them back together. Yeah, the harrowing two days when they were trying not to have their children consumed by the elements of the backyard being a quarter inch tall. Yes. Yeah. That's Disney magic for you. Oh, isn't it though? <laughs> Good old Disney. I could use a little Disney magic in my life right, right? now. <laughs> Come on, Disney. <laughs> anyway, Roger Ebert, you know, the movie critic that everyone clung oh, to for his opinions. Yes, RIP. But he had this to say, quote, I've been trying to figure out exactly what's missing in Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. The special effects are there, nicely in place, and the pr production values are sound. But the movie is dead in the water. It tells an amazing and preposterous story, and it seems bored by it. It uses the same sorts of visual effects we remember from The Incredible Shrinking Man, but it lacks the same sense of fun, end quote. So he gave this film two stars. <laughs> Out of five? Was it out of five? Out of five. Oh, and, you okay. know, it's the 80s, so everyone's clinging on, you know, what Roger Ebert has to say. Because, like, yeah. it's, you know, he's the guy since, like, the 70s. He was the guy. Maybe in the 60s. I don't know. I think his career started in the 60s because I think he won his Pulitzer in the 70s. Um, yeah. But overall, as a film critic, what do you think of this movie now? I still think it's fun. I mean, I don't know, maybe because I grew up with it, I guess, because I saw it as a kid. Obviously, these people are seeing it as adults, and then they're still, you know, so I don't know. I, for me, it was always fun. I It was on a, a regular watch, um, and we and I've talked about this before. I grew up in a conservative house, so, like, we were limited on what we could watch, but this was one that made the past and so Same. things that made the past were on repeat because mm -hmm. we couldn't watch everything so i refer back to like things like this so um i just remember for me it was funny because it's like ooh, i know it's dangerous but i want to be shrunk and i want to go see all this stuff and you know like it's such an adventure and i don't know i've always liked movies where kids are the antagonists and they have adventures and that kind of goes back to like the goonies yeah like things like that it's like those movies are always fun to me i think because i grew up in that time yeah i always wanted an adventure like that too so i think it just when i even when i still watched it like two weeks ago i still was like oh this is still a fun movie like it just made me remember like all all the good times i had watching it i guess so. yeah yeah i totally relate to that because like you also grew up in a conservative home any movie that made, I mean, we were probably a little bit, my dad was probably a little bit more liberal than my mom in about what we could watch. 
because he was a movie TV guy. Like I remember mm. she would complain about how when they were like dating and stuff, like their dating life centered around what was going to be on TV. Cause we're talking the sixties. So yeah. like you can't record shit in the sixties. Like nothing was, if you miss it. You miss it. <laughs> you missed it. You missed it. Um, and I just also remember it being fun. And then watching it this time, I was like, you know what? It doesn't matter. It like, this movie isn't for me. This movie is for kids. This movie is for parents with kids to do something together and to be in, in to, in my opinion, to, I understand what Roger Ebert's doing, but to compare it to the incredible shrinking man doesn't feel fair. I mean, like, yeah. like the visual effects, sure. But if you're walking into this film, looking for the quality in terms of like storytelling and not even storytelling, but just like, this is a kid's movie. This is a family film. Yeah. So to I be agree. like, <laughs> to be like, oh, it gets two stars, but it's, it's, it's lacking. It lacks, you know, fun. And I'm just like, lacks fun for who? Cause it was fun for me. It was fun for me. <laughs> And even now, and I do wonder though, if it's one of those films that if you see it for the first time in adulthood, because my sister, when my sister was married to her um, now ex-husband, he had never seen Goonies before. And the guy was like, not into it. And my sister was like, what? Like this movie's amazing. <laughs> and I, and I, and no, it was Princess Bride. It was the Princess Bride. Her ex-husband had never seen the Princess Bride. And when she showed it, and that was a movie that was on loop in our house, like mm. big time. And when, when, so then we had this, con and we were like, have you never seen that? You know, he was like, it was okay. I don't know, blah, blah. And then it turned into this, well, maybe it's because you, well, he's actually not a fun person at all. <laughs> He likes to watch, he likes to watch one specific, he'll watch all movies, but there's one specific type of movie that he'll put on repeat. He's not a rom-com guy, but it makes me wonder if this, this type of movie, these movies that we grew up with are only, we, in adulthood, if we feel like they're only good because there's a nostalgia factor to it too. Mm, that makes sense. Which leads me to, if you were to watch it now for the first time ever, do you think you would like it? <laughs> As is, like, where it is, what it is, as it is, the effects, I'd be like, okay, the effects are kind of cheesy. But then I'd be like, oh, wait, this is baby. Yeah. I mean, that was good for 1989. Yeah. Like, if I saw, I think I'd probably say, oh, it's cute. But I think, yeah, I, I agree. I think it was more of this nostalgia factor and mm -hmm. growing up with it and stuff like that. And I think it just sticks with you. Yeah. But... Were, were, could you relate to any of the kids? Like, did you feel like you saw yourself in any of the kids? Because there's four total for people who are listening who haven't seen it. You've got the daughter. She's the eldest of the Solinsky kids. Yeah. Amy, Nick, Solinsky. Mm -hmm. And then you got Russ, who's the oldest son of the, the neighbors, and then Ron, who's the younger brother. Um, I always liked Russ the best mm -hmm. um, out of the characters. I think I probably related to him because, like, I wasn't a sports guy like my you know, my parents were like, oh, you play some sport. I'm like, I'm not into sports. And I think he had that problem too. It was like, he didn't want to play football. You know, he quit the team. He didn't want to do it. And dad even asks him in the movie, like, well, what's your thing? And he's like, I don't know. But when I figure it out, I'll let you know. And I, I feel like I had a hard time growing up when I grew up. Like, I didn't know what my thing was. 
Yeah. Like I didn't I didn't feel like I fit into one category or you know, I was good at a lot of things, but not necessarily yeah. wanting to do them. So I, I don't know. I always felt like I was I could relate to him, you know. Yeah. He was my he was my always my favorite. I well and he's kind of a hero in the movie too, because at one point when they're traveling back, they come across a quote river, but it's not, it's a river to them because they're so small. Um, it's just this little stream of water and Amy falls into it and she's like essentially drowning and he goes in after her and then like, you know, does see, I mean, he does the air portion of CPR, <laughs> which we don't even do anymore. And like, we all, we know now that it, it chest compressions is what matters, but yeah, you know, he totally saves her life. He's, and I like, I like his character too. Cause his dad's so brash and so rough and just kind of like you, I mean, this time around, I was rolling my eyes so much at the dad where it's just like, oh, okay, like, like just gotta stop talking. <laughs> it's funny because actually this time around, and that brings up a good point. It's a it's actually a really good story about fathers and sons. Mm -hmm. Because even I mean, both dads weren't really acknowledging their son. Yeah. Like, like in the beginning, Wayne Skalinski is like he's doing he's trying to focus on his project, and his son's like, Oh look, dad, I made a similar project, a science experiment. All the stuff he's like, oh, that's cool, kind of thing. Like he kind mm -hmm. of brushes it off, like even though like his kid's just almost as smart as him. Yeah. Like he still brushes them off. If not smart, because he realizes what to do to fix the machine. Exactly. And then the other dad is like, you know, you're gonna play football. You're the man's man. You need to do this. You need to lift weights. Like, and not really acknowledging his own feelings. Like his son doesn't want to do that. Yeah. No, you're gonna do it. My when my dad when I was younger, my dad did this, 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 and I think it was just that that was a reflection on his childhood too, kind of thing. But then I noticed, like you know, by the end of the movie, they all understand. I need to listen to my kid. Yeah. And they're all better at the end because you know I love you no matter what, no matter what you do, kind of thing. So I I really got that this last time I watched mm -hmm. it was like that father son story, which is always a a good thing to see. And we don't get a lot of that anymore. So I agree because it is still kind of there's still sort of this, and we've talked about this before. It's just so nice to see like Disney magic. The dad, the you know, the man's man dad changes by the end of the movie. But it is really nice to see that you know a parent says to a child like, "Hey." Cause I think he does fully apologize. Like, Hey, I'm yeah. really sorry that like, I wasn't, you know, not necessarily listening to you, but he essentially apolog apologizes to mm -hmm. his eldest son about like putting him in that position. And from now on, things are going to be different. And you don't see that there was like a chunk of time where we just had parents being like, girl, do say me boss you child mm -hmm. and then we had a period of time where you do see these really like interesting relationships between parents and kids and now I don't really know where that lands because like it's so parenting now is so interesting for me to watch because all of my friends had kids 10 years after I did so the change in parent like I don't feel like a peer to my peers when it comes mm -hmm. to parenting it is really refreshing to see in a kid-centric film mm -hmm. this dad who kind of comes off gruff and rough and you know he just kind of made me not uncomfortable but it was just like dude come on like get out of your head look around and the wife kind of calls him out a couple of times too to mm -hmm. actually come around and be like hey kid 
I now see you and I'm sorry I didn't before. And so we're going to move on from that and be better. And that's just mm-hmm. nice. It's just nice to be validated by your parents like that. Yeah. I agree. <laughs> um, I, I have to tell you, uh, Mario, I thought Russ was so dreamy up until about uh, like five years ago. Because <laughs> when I was a little kid, it was like, look at his feathered hair oh my god and he saves her oh my god Mm -hmm. and he's so considerate he's letting her sleep in the lego like oh my (laughs) god (laughs) and the little brother irritated the shit out of me not the Zelensky kid the other one yeah ron ron was like every guy went to um elementary and junior high with so it's like i've had enough of you ron There are six of He took currently. after the dad. He was yes. very like the dad. He was exactly like the dad. And I think that actually goes back to your point too about the father and son story because he so much wants to be in relationship with his dad that he's willing to be exactly like him. Yeah. And he but he has he has the pipe that came to heart towards the end too. Like yeah. So everyone gets gets healing at the end. Everyone is affected <laughs> by Disney magic. Yes. Classic Disney. You've heard me mention that I am now a contributor to Jennifer Magazine, so I want to tell you a little bit about the publication. Jennifer Magazine supports a strong community of women and non-binary people who are challenging the status quo of ageism, choosing conscious consumption over status-seeking, supporting brands that align with their values of inclusion, stepping into the empowerment found in self-expression, and talking about it. If you're tired of reading publications that seem to miss the mark when it comes to coverage of women, aging, and the gender binary, publications that are rooted in internalized racism and misogyny, then Jennifer Magazine is the publication for you. The publisher of Jennifer Magazine was once told that there's concern that Jennifer Magazine misses the mark, that it's not something people are asking for. And you know what? It's hard to ask for something when you don't know that something has been missing from your life. You can read Jennifer Magazine at jennifermag.com. There you can purchase monthly issues or even join their annual subscription and receive exclusive discounts. Do you get really excited that your favorite book was adapted for screen only to watch it and feel completely let down? Are you a person who refuses to watch the screen adaptation because you know the movie God's got it wrong? I'm Julia Washington, host of Jelly Pops Book Club, where we read book to screen adaptations and compare them to their screen counterparts. We've covered books like Normal People by Sally Rooney, Water for Elephants, and Are You There, God? It's me, Margaret. We even host a live monthly book club where we have read books like The Other Black Girl, The Joy Luck Club, and The Sun is Also a Star. Sometimes we even discuss books we wish would be adapted, offer suggestions on what needs to stay, and who should be cast. So if you're someone who thinks, I can't believe they did this to this book or screams at a screen about the changes that make no sense at all then this might be the show for you you can find jelly pops book club on apple podcasts spotify or visit our website popculturemakesmejealous.com
So do you know this movie supposedly takes place in Fresno? Did you what? That? Yeah, so I was reading like the trivia, like I always read the IMDb stuff. Yeah. But it technically is supposed to take place in Fresno because in the second movie, Wayne Skilinski is talking to somebody, they're like, Oh, where you're from? He's like, Oh, we're originally from Fresno, which is three or from three and a half hours north of LA. Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay. And then in this movie, the first one. They're talking about going to Bass Lake, which is about a 30-minute, 40-minute drive yeah, from Fresno. That's right. And I was yeah. like, oh, so, so technically it's supposed to be Fresno. But it's funny because I guess in one of the scenes, the when the mom's at the mall at the Beverly Hills um, mall or something, because they shot it down there, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> it's one of those, like, you know, mistakes they put in there. But, a little goof. But yeah, yeah, so, but the movie supposedly takes place in Fresno, and I thought that was very interesting. Why does everything happen in Fresno? Is that the quintessential Central Valley city? Maybe. Another funny trivia that I read was, I guess, Chevy Chase and John Candy were actually going to be Wayne Skolinski before Rick Moranis got it. And then they both did not, they both decided not to do it. And then I guess Martin Short was actually going to got the role, but then he dropped out due to scheduling. And then John Candy recommended Rick Moranis. And so McRanis got oh, the job. I, I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. That is cool. But I, can't I can't see anybody else play it. Yes, exactly. Because it's such a great role for Rick Moranis. Like, he looks like the guy who would be working on inventions that don't work properly. <laughs> <laughs> like, I couldn't even imagine Chevy Chase doing that. And I like that he's, like, you know, a shorter guy married to a taller woman. Like, I like mm-hmm. that dynamic, too, between the two of them. Because I think it's a really great contrast between his family and the family next door where you have the tall masculine presenting dude and his very, mm-hmm. you know, polite put together wife because Mrs. Zelensky is a beautiful woman and she's, you know, modern, but the neighbor wife is like full on that woman had curlers in her hair the night before full face of makeup, perfectly coiffed outfit to go to the lake, like a perfectly curated lake Mm -hmm. outfit and and so having the two differences visually i think really does add to the story as well yeah okay let's talk about the style of the filmmaking i don't film movies don't do this anymore because when you when the movie the cartoons before like for the opening credits and when i was reading roger ebert's review he even said that before the film started they had like a roger rabbit they did yeah type movie in front and i was like i remember that so i wonder if it's Mm -hmm. also it was also on the vhs that they released after it was i had it i remember because i owned that movie yeah we did too yeah so like let's talk about the filmmaking of this movie the filmmaking of it all because well it was funny because roger rabbit came out the year before yes so then they were trying to keep him relevant Mm -hmm. and Pixar used now Pixar kind of does that with the little shorts in front of them. Yeah, movies, you know? which I think it was so, so great that they brought that back because it was comforting. <laughs> yeah, I always liked them, and then I would all, but I would always hear somebody oh, another movie like, like this is longer than we're supposed to be here. I'm like, I just up, feel like Pixar. those people don't really love going to the movies. They just go to see yeah. a movie. Like they're not there for the movie going experience. Yeah, it was good because now Disney has them all, the shorts all on Disney Plus. So you mm-hmm. can just watch them. Which, Which they don't have with Roger Rabbit, and I'm surprised they don't have that. Like you little know, shorts of Roger Rabbit. 
but just generally like in because you review movies you watch a lot of movies you watch way more movies than i do you have a more varied interest <laughs> of genres because we all know i will not watch anything horror related mm. um it's it's cool and i like it's a lot of practical effects too even though there is a lot of cgi and i and it's funny because whenever i see a movie i like to kind of read behind the scenes and how they did stuff too just to kind of see how much work and they were saying that a lot of their sets were built to size like they built the, a lot of that stuff and like the cheerio scene like mm -hmm. when he's in the cheerio bowl like they filled it with water but they put like this cream stuff in it to make it look like milk and then the, the giant cheerio giant cheerios are um truck rubber tire type things and they they foamed it they put foam all around it to make it look like Cheerios. And I was like, see, that's really cool. Like, that is like, cool. You never really think about it, like how much work is put into these things. So, because the Cheerios look realistic, like, you would never think that they weren't Cheerios. Yeah. I think they did a really good job just generally with all of the, the set design. Yeah. Even with a cookie, like the cookie, like mm -hmm. I remember when I was kid, I was like, I want to eat that cookie, yeah. like even though I could go to the store and get it, but it's like but for some reason that cookie, that looks cookie. So much, yeah, just looks so delicious. Yeah, even with the but, Lego, because yeah. when they're it's night when it gets to be nighttime and they have to like stop walking and they like find a Lego to like hide into, like mm -hmm. it looks exactly like a Lego did in 1989. They did yeah. a. It's just so like the attention to detail. I think is really is there like i know a lot of criticism right now happening is like oh the quality is going down and all these things but it's like i i don't know i don't know enough about the behind the scenes industry about quality but i do know that like cartoons nowadays or like movies with special effects like you, it used to be really easy to tell when somebody was on a green screen right yeah and now it's getting for it's like not always that easy to tell i agree it's like no one can hear you so, nod your head mario yeah i know i keep i'm sorry <laughs> i just get into just get into our conversation so know. Like, you know? but um no and even like just the like the way they point the camera to make it look small so like when they're mm -hmm. looking up like you see it from their point of view like how big something is or yeah like how small something is or so just those little tricks of the camera and stuff like that too are always fun so. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about Roger Ebert's review. It's clear that while the world validated his criticism with the Pulitzer Prize, like I think he got that, I think it was in the 70s. He has a very specific lens and doesn't always look for a movie for being just a fun family good time. He gave this movie two stars, like I mentioned earlier. And okay. Yes. It has a 78% Rotten Tomato score, but this was the end of the 1980s. Is that the critics? Or is that the, the audience? Because audience the critics, always... the audience score, I didn't look at. Should I start looking at the audience score? I always like to just because I feel like I don't think the audience score was higher. <laughs> so, well, yeah, I always wonder because I mean, we were dealing with that with like the Mario movie. Like, critics have it at like a 50%, but like, audience scores like a 98%. So it's like, Oh, I always I like that. to look and see. That's so interesting. I mean, it makes oh, yeah. sense. So, audience score is 54%, yeah. which is interesting. Much lower. Interesting. 
But this is the decade that brought us some seriously insane movies. Like, this is the decade of The Goonies. This is the decade of Ghostbusters. This is the decade of um, Back to the Future. Like, this is the decade where they really leaned into doing wild and crazy things. The Labyrinth, you know, like, this is the decade that's like, hey, we're just going to, like, we're just going to go for it and see what happens. (laughs) See, and it's funny because I'm reading some of the reviews and they're they're like, since I didn't grow up with this movie or didn't see the ride or the show, I don't have any special connection to this movie, so it's kind of boring to me. So I'm wondering if it's one of those movies where it is a nostalgia thing. Yeah. Like, you which makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because, I, I mean, I could definitely see why people don't like it, but... So I was originally going to ask you if you were going to review this film today, what would you say? But I think I want to change that. I want to ask you... Because rebooting is a big deal, and I don't actually think mm-hmm. rebooting is going to go away. Because now we've got you know more than half a century of television out there. So, and and film. I mean, the film industry is over a hundred years old. So, if this film were to be rebooted and remade for a modern audience, this like what changes do you think they would make? Uh, the families would be more diverse. Mm-hmm. I would I would hope that like. I could see like a African American family or a Latino family in one of their families, especially in Fresno. <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> if it wasn't Fresno, it would take place in Fresno. It would take place in like New York or L.A. or yeah, I don't know somewhere where there's a lot of probably New York. Like, how are you going to make York. a movie in Fresno and not put some Latino people in this movie? Like, come on. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um. Obviously, this the effects would be which. So now that I think about this, I, there's a lot of danger in this movie, and I'm like, nobody dies. Like, there's several things that happen that I'm like, they would have probably died. Like, yeah. they get they get thrown around. Like the two guys fall off the bee and they get they like fall from a good pretty good height. Yeah. Like, any type of fall like that, you'd be like broken arm or yeah. they just get right back up, and it's like. So I I feel like a movie that would be made today would need some of those consequences, whether it's like, I broke my ankle or I yeah. broke my arm or like, we got to carry him now because he's severely injured. Like, like things in like beef. that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which go back and listen to our beef episode, everybody. It was a real good chat. You're right though. And I do like the idea of maybe flipping it a little bit right so like maybe you have a well-kept husband and a busy wife as the next door neighbors um Mm -hmm. who are into camp I mean I still feel like you need to I still feel like the camping element for that family needs to stay like because it's such a it's so different from families like there's camping families and then there's families that don't camp and I feel like Mm -hmm. that's a really big thing like that's a good dichotomy yeah i don't know if they could do the backyard again because i feel like nobody do they even build houses with backyards anymore (laughs) yeah so it'd be like i don't know an apartment complex or maybe a a lab or yeah yeah something like that but i mean of course you'd have to make new dangers so it'd be like a rat or right that lawnmower scene when the kid comes back to mow the lawn the next day I remember being so scared 
that they were going to get sucked up into. And then when they do kind of get sucked up and they don't, nothing happens to them. They just get shot. Yeah. Out. So they get flown across like the yard. Yeah. And they're fine. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, but then I also, um, me, like as a horror movie fan, I'm like, Oh man, what happens if they really did get chopped up? Like, <gasps> or what if the guy, what if the guy really got eaten? Like he ate his son, like just a little thing like that. I'm like, Mm. I don't know. I think somebody should write it. I think someone should do a modern day version and see how, see what kind, what the imagination does. Keep the would, core you, of the concept. Dis- yeah, it would be a Disney Plus original. <laughs> it would be like, like you know how they did the cheaper by the dozen remake. It'd be just like that. It'd be like one of those big movies. Wait, premieres. not this, in my mind. The cheaper by the dozen remake is the Steve Martin Bonnie Hunt. No, one. the one with uh, one with Gabrielle Union and Zach Braff. I didn't know that was a thing. Yeah, they remade it. It came out for Disney Plus. Okay, it was a straight to Disney Plus. I don't. Go it was on a good Disney- movie. Okay, I'll oh, have to what? watch it because I don't go it's- on Disney Plus just to like browse things to watch, like oh. I do with like Hulu and Netflix and like HBO you just, Max. You just follow you follow Disney Plus on Instagram, and they always promote promote the movies that are coming out. I thought I did, but you know what the problem <laughs> with Meta is? Is if you don't engage with someone's content, they'll be like, "Oh, so we think that you don't actually want to see their stuff, so we won't show it to you anymore." True. And True that, that irritates me because it's like, no, I. If you don't show it to me, I can't engage with it. Come on. <laughs> yeah, I want. I, I care. It's been a minute for. I think it came out like twenty twenty one, like the summer or something. Oh, so it's been a while. It's been a while. Or okay. Twenty twenty two. Yeah, I think it was twenty twenty two. Okay, that's the so, other hurdle but, too. Is I no longer have a child in my house, so some some of the kitty movies I you know I miss. So you don't watch The Mandalorian, Julia. Oh, I don't know goodness. any children that watch that show. I only know grown ass people. Is that a kid? That's show what I'm for saying. Kids? Why don't you? No, but why don't you watch it? Because it's so Cause good. I don't do Star Wars. Um, you're from Modesto. How do you not do Star Wars? Because I'm, I'm from sure. Modesto and everybody sure. does Star Wars. Ask me. <laughs> I was the fort- say, how many times have you been asked that question? <laughs> they want it. Did I tell you this already? They, I tell this story to everybody, so people are probably tired of hearing it. I they the city wanted to paint the water tower the Death Star. And Disney oh my said, gosh. Disney said no. And I was like, thank you, Disney. Stop. Like, these people are delusional here. And I'm going to get jumped and robbed and mugged because of the way I'm speaking of my city. But the inundation, any the weekend, where whenever, if May 4th is close to a weekend, they do a May 4th, May the 4th be with you celebration. Oh, they're already doing it. I even thought. I've been, I'm like, I want to go, but I'm going to be out of town. Yeah. And like, I've been. It's so fun. I'm so glad it's fun for people. I'm cool. <laughs> I can't. And you know what it is? I think when people go hella hard for something, I'm always like, I don't need to. Mm. I'm good. Got enough so you fans. Just need to, you need to paint some Star Wars paintings and you probably sell a lot. <laughs> that's, how, that's how I make my money. Funny. Mario, I um, love it when you stop by, especially when you pick something that is so near and dear to my childhood and my formative years and you know i i don't know if i should admit this out loud but you know it's movies like this that made me fall in love with the film industry Mm -hmm. i feel it tell everybody where they can find you and support your work you can find me on instagram at movies with mr mario where i do reviews of tv shows and movies i'm watching and keeping up with the daily entertainment news 
I am firmly convinced that if you didn't grow up watching this movie, then you might not be into it at all. It is streaming on Disney Plus, so if you haven't seen it and you want to check it out, do so, and then let me know what you think. If you want more of this show, Pop Culture Makes Me Jealous, you can join us on Patreon. Over there, you get bonus episodes, bonus content, essays, reviews, all kinds of stuff, and a bi-monthly happy social hour where we discuss current pop culture highlights. To learn more, you can head over to patreon.com slash Julia Washington and join the studio audience tier. I want to thank Mario for coming back and having this chat with me. You can find him on Instagram at movies with Mr. Mario. That's at movies with M-R Mario. Friends, thanks for tuning in. Until next time.